Welcome back to the Merkle Treehouse, your source for subversive Bitcoin mindshare. I'm your host, Audrey Merkel. With the Federal Reserve announcement looming, we've got a special show for all of you today. So sit back and relax and let us take care of all the entertainment for the next 10 minutes. Open Market Committee meets today in Washington, D.C. With the banking crisis in full swing, the Fed finds itself in a pickle, raise interest rates by 50 basis points and stay the course, exacerbating the banking crisis, or slow down the quantitative tightening and resume a course of inflation. Award-winning journalist Morton Anger is standing by with updates. Morton? Good evening, folks. Morton Anger here, reporting outside the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C., Let me tell you, it's a sight to behold. The first thing you notice is the imposing building itself. It's a massive, fortress-like structure made of stone and concrete. The architecture is grandiose and intimidating, and it's clear that the Fed wants to make a statement with this building. There's a constant hum of activity in this part of town, and it's hard to escape the noise. As I stand here, I can't help but think about the power dynamics at play. This building represents the heart of our monetary system, and it's where decisions are made that affect the lives of millions of people. And yet, it feels so removed from the everyday struggles of the average person. Today, the Fed is set to announce their updated Fed funds target for March. And let me tell you, this meeting is more uncertain than any we've seen in recent years. The problem is that the Fed's monetary policies are hurting ordinary Americans. Inflation is through the roof, and the banking sector is in shambles. Banks like Silicon Valley Bank, Signature Bank, and Silvergate Bank are failing left and right, and First Republic Bank and Credit Suisse are begging for support. Market confidence is at an all-time low, and it's you and I that's going to suffer. The Fed claims they're working to shrink their balance sheet through quantitative tightening, but the reality is that their efforts are being undermined by their own actions. The provision of liquidity to ease risks to banks is making monetary policy even looser than it was just last month. It's a total mess, and it's not good news for the little guy. But what can we expect from the March rate announcement? The Fed will release rate projections for 2023 and beyond, and while we were previously told to expect rate hikes, now the market is predicting rate cuts. What's changed? What data is the Fed seeing that requires such a significant shift in policy? It's clear that the common person is getting the short end of the stick here. Inflation is soaring, banks are failing, and the Fed seems to be making it up as they go along. But we don't have to just sit here and take it. We can take control of our own financial lives and embrace a new economic standard. That's why I'm such a big proponent of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a currency that's not controlled by any government or institution. It's a currency that's truly for the people, by the people. And that's exactly what we need right now. It's time to empower individuals and challenge the status quo. It's time for the little guy to have a chance to thrive in a fair and just economic system. So let's stand up and make a change. The time for Bitcoin is now. Thank you and good day. Thank you, Morton. We'll be paying close attention to the decision and its fallout in the coming days. Now we'd like to bring you another lecture by our Bitcoin historian, Professor Pinto Pete, who will be speaking about the history of Bitcoin mining. Pinto? Well, howdy there, folks. It's mighty fine to be here today talking about the history of Bitcoin mining. Now, I reckon some of y'all might not know much about it, so 
Let me break it down for you like a biscuit in a gravy boat. Back in the day when Bitcoin was first created by that dude Satoshi Nakamoto, folks could mine it using their own computer's CPU. That's right, just your everyday computer could get you a reward of a whopping 50 Bitcoin every time they mined a block. The new gold rush had begun, but you could dig it up from your own backyard. But as Bitcoin grew in popularity, more folks started getting in on the action. And that meant the competition got tougher. So miners started joining together in what we call mining pools. These pools allowed folks to combine their computer power and increase their chances of earning some Bitcoin. One of the first mining pools was called Slush Pool, created by Marek Palatinus. And let me tell you, it was like a bunch of cowboys working together to herd some cattle. They had to be coordinated to get the job done. But even with mining pools, it wasn't long before CPU mining just wasn't cutting it anymore. The competition was too fierce and folks started looking for a better way. And that's when they found GPUs, or graphics processing units. These babies were like the John Deere tractors of Bitcoin mining. They were faster and more efficient, and folks like Artfors and Laszlo Hanyech became known for being the first to mine with GPUs, and they started to rake in the Bitcoin. But just like with CPU mining, the competition got tougher and tougher. And that meant even GPUs weren't enough to keep up. So folks started looking for an even better solution. And that's when ASICs, or application-specific integrated circuits, came into the picture. These were like the giant combine harvesters of Bitcoin mining. They were specifically designed to mine Bitcoins and could do it much faster and more efficiently than any CPU or GPU ever could. Folks started creating ASICs and building their own mining operations. Today, many mine Bitcoin from home with an ASIC or two, but then there are dozens of large-scale mining operations all over the world. They have warehouses full of machines churning away and they are bringing in some serious hash rate to secure the Bitcoin network. So there you have it, folks. The history of Bitcoin mining, from digging with CPUs in your own backyard to building giant ASIC operations. It just goes to show you, when our financial freedom is at stake, freedom lovers will find a way forward. And as for Bitcoin mining, well, it's still going strong, with new miners joining the game every day. Who knows what the future holds for Bitcoin mining, but I reckon it's going to be one wild ride. That's about all I've got for you. Hope you're having a nice one. Me? Guess I'll kick back and take in the stars tonight. Thank you kindly for listening to Old Pinto Pete. Thank you, Pinto. And now we'd like to bring you a special treat. We hope you enjoy this new feature. And bringing it to us, please welcome the Merkle Treehouse players with the first episode of their drama series, Bitcoin Unleashed. Bitcoin Unleashed. Welcome to a world where excellence is discouraged and mediocrity is celebrated. It may be our dystopian future, or maybe even our dystopian present. But there's a rebel among us, a young woman named Mona, who believes in a better way, a world where excellence is rewarded. And she has a secret weapon, Bitcoin. We join Mona now, along with her robot assistant named Satoshi. Come on, come on, just a few more confirmations. 
My calculations indicate that your transaction will be included in the next block. It will be mined imminently. Thank you, Satoshi. You're the best robot assistant ever. Open up, Mona. It's the government. Oh no, they found me. Go out the back way. I will delay the government. Will Mona escape the government's grasp? Tune in to the next episode of Bitcoin Unleashed. Well, that was riveting. I'll be on pins and needles waiting on the next installment. And now, to wrap things up, from Laughaholics Anonymous in Trenton, New Jersey, please welcome the comedy stylings of Sammy Nash. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? It's your boy Sammy Nash here to talk about the Federal Reserve and their upcoming decision. Now, I know what you're thinking, Sammy. Why should we care about the Fed? Well, my friends, because their decision affects every single one of us. So apparently the Fed is going to announce its updated Fed funds target for March. And the markets suspect a 25 basis point rise, but who knows, they might hold rates steady. But here's the thing. Inflation is still a problem, and it's not falling fast enough. And on top of that, the banking crisis adds complexity to the Fed's analysis. Sounds like somebody's not doing their job. Am I right, folks? And get this, the Fed may raise rates because they have private information on the banking sector. Raising rates would normally be interpreted negatively, but it may also signal some degree of confidence from the Fed that the banking crisis may not worsen from here. That's like saying, I'm going to give you a shot of whiskey because I know you're already drunk, but I trust you won't get any drunker. <laughs> and what's with the coordination of international liquidity? The Fed acknowledged strains in global funding markets. Why do they need to coordinate? Did they forget to carry the one? I mean, have you ever tried to make sense of the Federal Reserve's monetary policies? It's like trying to follow a plot line in a David Lynch movie. It's confusing, it's convoluted, and it's a great source of material for my stand-up routines. Did you hear about the Federal Reserve's latest plan to combat inflation? They're going to print more money. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is over here like, I've been telling you guys for years, just fix the supply. You've been great, folks. Thank you and good night. Thank you, Sammy. Very funny stuff. That wraps it up for Episode 8 of the Merkle Treehouse. Please join us every Sunday and Wednesday for the best in Bitcoin mindshare. Take us out of here, fellas. Hi, this is Eli. Find us on Twitter at Merkle Treehouse. Please follow us. Thank you.